one of the things I was going to ask you about was uh, the temporal elements of your work, um, specifically to do with commemoration. Mm -hmm. And I think something you've written about, you've talked about quite a lot, this relationship between the past, the present, and the future. Um, so a recent work, uh, like the Holocaust Monument in Ottawa, for example, um, the survivors are acknowledged in there as well as those who who were killed. Mm -hmm. So what I was really interested in asking you was how we commemorate and look back whilst also acknowledging yeah, yeah, yeah. those well, people uh, yeah, in yeah. the past, but also kind of moving forward. How do we look back past it? Uh, yeah. Well, I think it's a very profound question because uh, I think there would be no sense of building a monument uh, of remembrance if it only looked past, because the past is universal. And, and it would mean nothing. Yeah. There has to be an element of hope, an element of urgency addressing today uh, and, and contemporary society and into the future. So I think a monument might be seen as a bridge between the past and the future, running through the present. And I think that's uh, why I think the monuments that really work, in my view, are those that have a kind of contemporary message as well as being hinged on uh, an event that uh, really has changed the world in some way. And do you think that's uh, become much more, people have become a lot more conscious of that, architects have become a lot more conscious of that in recent years in a way that perhaps they weren't so much in the past? Oh yes, I, I think uh, I, I think the entire issue of memory has changed as, as mm. society has developed and technology has changed and, and people's lives have changed. Mm. Uh, so I, I think if we compare even early 20th century monuments, and uh, uh, late 20th century monuments, 21st century monuments, we see a really a, a remarkable shift. And I think it's not a shift of style, but a shift of general sensibility. Mm. Uh, and it doesn't matter where the monument is, mm. uh, whether it's east, west, north, south, it's, it's, it's prevailing. That's really interesting, because one of the things we're trying to do in this series is think cross-culturally. Yeah. How do we compare a process of commemoration or uh, acts of commemoration across cultures. Um, and it seems to me that, that it, on the one hand, I think when we were setting this series up, people might say to us, that's a really hard thing to do. How do you do that? But you've worked in many different countries and you, you know, you've talked about commemoration in many different places. It's, uh, it's uh, certainly true that people are universally the same mm -hmm. all over the world. I mean, they might be divided by language, by religion, by eth ethnography, by, by, by so social standing. But everyone has a soul, everyone has a heart, everybody has I, everybody has a family, everyone is part of the world. So whether it's a, a memorial uh, or a museum in, in the Arab world, which I've worked in, mm. and I, which I will discuss, uh, which is uh, in Iraq, in mm. Kurdistan, mm. or whether it's something in Europe, in Germany, or in the United North America, I think there is a shared humani humanity and a shared understanding of, of memory, I think, globally. Mm. And you've, you've also written, what I found really interesting, when you're writing with the Jewish Museum Berlin, um, you've written that it, it serves as an individualised mirror, which each visitor could read in a different way. So what I was interested in asking you was, is, is an encounter with your work, and is it an individual experience, or is it a kind of collective experience of having other people around you, or maybe that collectivity is to do with the people who are being memorialised in some way, who are uh, included in the museum? Because um, I guess you've also mm -hmm. spoken about um, the intimate and the civic as kind of being brought together, particularly in the Jewish Museum, but also in other work that you've done. Well, I've always sought to create uh, uh, this memory not by a formula, mm. not by some sort of standardized sense of collective memory, so to speak, mm -hmm. but to offer a, a more complex uh, uh, space, light, 
which really speaks to individuals mm. in varied ways. Uh, it, it's, so I, I don't seek to sort of create some sort of message uh, that is geared to, to a, a, an idea, mm. but on the contrary, to really open up questions, open up experiences, and allow each person to have really a rather different experience. And I think that is true, uh, whether it's a public space or a museum or, or even a memorial. Mm. Which is why your interest in poetry is, is to me, really, really interesting, because, of course, poetry is, uh, talks a lot about kind of connotation. So you get suggestions from the images that are there and it allows you to kind of think much more broadly and make connections that ordinarily you might not do in, say, a work of prose. I, I think you're right. I think uh, in, in, in poetry, poetry is universally appealing, mm. uh, unlike a prose, mm. uh, once one is within the language. Mm. And I think that's why poetry has that underpinning of kind of eternity versus a, a, a prosaic bo- a prose, which is also poetry in its own form, but but just as a different form of but communication. Very Emily Dickinson, that concern with yeah. eternity as well. Yeah, yes, yes. So do you think that um, in the design of, of, of commemorative buildings, like the museums, monuments, are, are they done badly, would you say, now? I mean, have you noticed this, kind of maybe we've mentioned this shift? Is there something mm-hmm. we need to change in our approach to commemorative design to, to encourage that kind of experience that people can have? I think... I think we have to take risks. Mm. Uh, I think if we know what to expect and we commissioned a work and we already know what we're going to get, uh, that's really not a work of civic art. Mm. It's, just, it's just a political statement. But if, if, uh, if society, if, if, if the civic community is interested in really exploring memory and its significance in the future based on the past, mm. then it has to allow an artistic sense that deviates from an expectation. Mm. And uh, I, I think that's part of the shock of memory. That memory is not something that we can just rely on. It, it, it's a shock to encounter it in some aspect of uh, of urban space or of architecture. Uh, and that shock is jugs jugs our minds mm. to think differently about an event that we think we know about, but we really seldom do. Mm. So, so things like the nine eleven experience would be, a, would I guess, a good example of that in the sense that that's something that people seem that they know because they've seen it. So it's mediatized. They've seen so many. They've been exposed to it so much, and yet, you know, when you've when you've been thinking about sort of the civic kind of responsibility that you have, and you write really movingly about the way in which um, people came to you, uh, who who had loved ones who were killed, uh, and they said to you, we're kind of giving you this responsibility to respond in some way. Absolutely. I think you have to identify yourself. You know, you you may not be part of that group. You may not uh, have, have been part of it, but you have to sort of reincarnate yourself in that emotion uh, and become sort of sensitized to what is really in the minds and the hearts of people, more than in the minds and the mm. souls of people, mm. who want uh, to transmit some some sense of reality to someone who is not part of this group, mm. not part of this experience, uh, and to be a witness is is really something that is very delicate and also fundamental at the same time. Uh, so whether it's uh, you know nine eleven people who I met, so many hundreds, thousands, uh, each one of whom has a unique story. Mm. It's not a general story. I mean, we say 9-11, it's one day, one catastrophe. But to each one of these families, each one of the lost, is a unique, unrepeatable sense of story. And that's true, I think, for for the Shoah and and Mm. for other tragedies, Mm. that uh, we cannot really fathom them. 
we, we can see the numbers, we can see uh, what has been read, but we can actually, we have to admit that we can not really fathom what has happened. Uh, and whether it's 3,000 or 6 million, you can see that there's, you know, there's, there is a quantif- quantum leaps. How can we imagine, how can we uh, uh, get close to these events and, and, and in order to be moved, in order to understand, to, to do something? Uh, that, that seems to be very similar to, I mean, it's Charles Jenks, I think, who says that you, you manage to present the unpresentable. Uh, is that to do with the kind of spiritual aspects of what you're talking about, the souls, and that's something which comes across in your work a lot. You talk about uh, the kind of souls that seem to be attached to memory, attached to buildings. Look, it, it might be true that the word soul is is suspect today. <laughs> you, know, it, you know, people might think, you know, you're some weirdo, you know, but, you know, the soul is more stable than all the gimmicks of uh, the memory uh, memory machines that we have you know we have memory in the computers mm. we have memory chargers we have equipment that uh, apparently is dealing with memory but we know it isn't because it's just a virtual sense of information but memory I think has little to do with information if it has to do with information it has to do with information that informs the heart it's kind of emotional uh, sense and I've always wondered you know that when you look at something like the Shoah the people who have per- perpetrated it were not primitive. They had doctorates in literature. Goebbels had a doctor in German literature, and Schiller and Goethe, and so on. You know, so we have to, I think, understand that it's not enough to give information, uh, to give the account, statistical, because this cannot move a normal person. Because a normal person cannot conceive. No one, no, not even an abnormal person, can conceive what those numbers actually indicate. But how to close to a, a get close to a, a, a an individual a sense of true reality, something concrete. That's the, I think, uh, uh, challenge of, of, of memory. Well, that's a, a wonderful way of putting it. Um, thank you very much thank indeed you. for talking. Thank you.